Welcome to the Bar Hacks Podcast. Engaging interviews, plus tips and strategies to navigate your bar or restaurant business towards sustainable success. Now, here's your host, hospitality industry veteran, journalist, and editor, David Klempt. Hey, welcome back to the Bar Hacks Podcast. I hope you're well. I hope your February is off to a great start. Hope that you made some money during the Super Bowl. That's always a, a good time. And not that you can call it the Super Bowl. You have to call it the big game or something else childish when, when it's time for that for advertising. I have an awesome guest today. I have Charles Jolie. And the list of accolades is insanely long. So for a few of them, he's the only American to win Diageo's world-class global bartending competition. He won NBC's On the Rocks bartender competition. He is a multiple Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award winner, James Beard Award nominee and finalist multiple times. He launched his brand uh, with Matt Linder called Craft House Cocktails in 2014. I've been recognized by Crane's Business, Wine Enthusiast, Bon Appetit, and that's just a few. Uh, The official bartender or mixologist, whichever title you like, for the Emmys, Grammys, and Oscars a respected spirits and bar educator. I could keep going, but I don't want to keep Charles here quiet just watching me do this. So, Charles, how's it going? Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Always happy to talk booze and cocktails and <laughs> all all things spirit-related. Or not out too. We can do that. Whatever. So you are probably tired of revisiting you know your bartender origin story at this point but if you want to share maybe a truncated version or just the what inspired you to become a bartender uh yeah i was i was bitten by a radioactive spider (laughs) uh, while working in a lab one day and that is my origin story i why did i become a bartender uh i think like a lot of us um you know it, it happened in its earliest stages on accident you know as a as a means to an end of uh you know, just just uh, a very flexible job. I played music in my early 20s and, and you know, was uh, uh, unsure of where I was going to land in my in my life. And so I was in the industry in, in that way. But and I don't I don't diminish those early years because I think you learn so many essentials in your early years, even when you are not certain that that's what you want to do for your career. I didn't foresee myself at 21, you know, 25 years later being in the business still. But uh, here, here I am, you know, there was a point while I was working in bars and restaurants that I had the opportunity to transition to a management role, you know, and got offered, you know, some things that you don't, especially back then, you know, health insurance and, and things like that, you know, um, you know, for the first time. And so I just had a, in my, in my mid twenties, had a hard look at, whether I was a better uh, hospitality professional or musician and, and it was no contest that it was not musicianship as much as I love doing that. And then, and then after, uh, but you know, cocktails were not even part of that game yet because that the cocktail movement hadn't even hit, hit yet. And very fortunate to get into that side of things on maybe the ground or the second floor, perhaps. Uh, you know, in, in about 2006, 2007, very in the early years, we opened a, a craft cocktail bar uh, in 
Chicago, my home, my hometown of Chicago called the drawing room in 07, um, not having any idea how big this thing was going to get. And that it was going to be this, you know, real movement that is obviously still here. We're talking about it right now. Um, it was going to explode into this, 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 this thing. And I, and I fell in love with that, like that, the cocktail side of thing, um, combined hospitality and and my love of like the, the party every night and, um, hosting people within the creative side too. And for me, the bar has always been a stage and it, and it functioned for me and it, and it satisfied that part of me that I think being a musician also had, you know, you have creativity, you're, you're writing music, you're performing, you're entertaining. Um, but there's a little bit of, you know, showmanship or whatever as well. There's a little bit about um, even as an introvert, you know, I, I admittedly like the spotlight from time to time too. Would you say, or what would you say in your career and maybe behind which bar do you really feel like one day you're like, wow, I, I, I understand what I'm doing. This is, this is my thing. I found my, my calling. Yeah, I would say it, it, it happened in different ways. So like very early on, you know, before I even know how to make a cocktail, I bar backed for many years and it was just the, the way and, and kind of high volume, like underground nightclubs in, in Chicago. And I didn't, you know, that didn't tell me that I wanted to be in as a lifer, but it may, did make me fall in love with it. It was the, it was the, the speed of which things happen, the intensity, the, uh, just, the, the, I mean, it was a very wild time um, and very easy, you know, easy to entice a young 20 something um, with, you know, a lucrative job at that point for what we were doing. Uh, and most importantly, it was the first group of people I worked with that were a true bar family. Uh, I think any bartender, any, any chef, any, any, you know, server on the floor throughout your career, there are moments and they, they may be the last a year or two years where you just have like this dream team of individuals that click together and you, you have nonverbal communication. You all are, are in it for the same, you know, goal. You're all, we all have each other's back and it just clicks. And it, I mean, I think it, 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 the dream team, right. That's like, we talk about that for sports. Like that's like, you know, the bulls like have dynasty or whatever, you know, when I was growing up, like the, it is true. And, 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 and a, a group of bartenders, servers, chefs, you know, management functions just like a high functioning athletics team when it's, when it's going well. Um, so that really gave me the taste uh, for it. And then in the, it was that then later at the drawing room where I was like, and I started to get into cocktail competitions to, to challenge myself and, and to learn a little bit more and to meet other people because, you know, the, the communities weren't as connected online at that time. It was pretty early as well. So like the resources weren't out there as, quite as much. I fell in love with it then after I got, you know, won a couple small competitions, got my, got my ass kicked at a couple small competitions. And I was like, this is fun. You know, this is, I like this little side of it too. It's such a nice, you know, there's such great camaraderie uh, in it that, that, you know, it, it, it drew me in and there were some fun prizes and fun opportunities to travel and, and see things I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So it, I, I was hooked fully and, and dove in with both feet after, after that as the cocktail movement kind of started to blossom. So if we fast forward, you were the beverage director of the aviary in Chicago, and it's safe to say yep. the aviary takes cocktails, the presentation, the service to the absolute zenith. Like it's, it's what it was meant to do but what was it like to work on a menu and you know be the best director of a venue that takes cocktails that far 
Yeah, it was it was a a really uh, wonderful experience for me. It was a very it was hard work, uh, long long hours, um, and challenging because it was different than what I was doing prior to that. I had the bar that I, I had conceived open, you know, trained countless bartenders at at the drawing room. I went from there to the aviary. It's where I met the executive chef of that of the Alenia group, and you know he was came through many times through through our bar um, and saw what I was doing there. And then when they needed a new beverage director, you know, I got an email one day um, and I was like, well, this is very different. Like I did not at that point, I was ready to open my own place. I would say. And I was like, well, this is different enough. This is not, this is definitely not a lateral move. This is something, a whole different skill set I did not have prior. And we had this great kind of symbiotic relationship, I think, where the aviary was well served by a bartender from the trenches. Like I just, I'd grown up kind of, you know, in the bar world, a little bit rough and tumble. Um, and, and I think made cocktails from the heart and um and had some front of house experience that the chefs that were often involved um didn't have as much and they had refinement and kitchen skills and fine dining experience that i didn't have um and so we combined those two things and the sky was the limit really there was no um, there were no rules there in terms of what we could or couldn't do in, in, a, in a cocktail. It was like, uh, you know, figure it out. Like if you can make it happen once, like we have enough bodies here, we have enough creativity and enough experience in the building. We'll figure out how to do it and put it on a menu and make it a hundred times a night. Right. So it was, yeah, very, I mean, it's a great way to think, you know, it, it really taught me to question everything. Uh, and I think it's important that there are, bars that there are restaurants that push the far extremes of things because all of that will trickle trickle down and some techniques that will be used in mass will inevitably happen from there um so it's it's, you've got to have people really pushing the boundaries to have to have growth um and you know you you don't no no city needs 10 uh of that style of bar but like there's certainly room in in a you know city with a few million people to to have a couple of places that are really working in that style. So you spoke about the trenches and you know you've you've basically I mean you've you've done your time, you know, you've you've proven yourself. But then you get the the offers to do, you know, the Grammys, the Oscars, the Emmys. What is that like? I mean, is it kind of thankless or I mean do the celebrities actually <laughs> interact and say, hey, that was a great cocktail or uh, it is, um, yeah, where I'm actually preparing for, for the, the 2020 year we in 2023 Oscars right now, um, uh, we'll be there in March. Um, and, uh, I've done that for, you know, six, seven years now, which is, it's a great, I mean, you know, people say, oh, it's an honor. It, it really is. It's an awesome. It's a bit like the biggest right. party and, and, you know, it's the biggest party in the country and, and, you know, by, by many measures. Um, so it's, you know, I've been independent. And, and working for myself for about the last six, seven years as well. And, um, and, and so the, I love doing those events. I love doing one-off events in general because it's just tons of planning ahead of time, months and months of planning. And then you go and you just, you prep your ass off and then, you know, you, you get, you have your, your night or a couple nights of 
actual execution and then you move on to the next thing you're like okay it it just feels very it's very tidy it's very it's satisfying in that way i I do like to do those kinds of parties um but you know in terms of people we we do they recognize that our bar is a little more special than the other bars in this in the space we're able to do some things and, and give some time and attention that some of the other bars are not um we batch up tens of thousands of cocktails and send them to all the bars in the buildings I work with a, a, a crew called Liquid Productions uh, that's based out of, out of the East Coast, out of, out of mostly New York um, area, and just great individuals. And they, they do all the logistics. And then we all get together and be like four of us are going to batch, you know, this year we'll batch whatever it is, 12,000 cocktails or something. And then we distribute them to all the bars and we have our specialty bar where we can do some more elevated presentations and serves and things where we that take a little bit more personal touch. But people are cool. Like they... Uh, you know, people are always like looking for the dirt. I'm like, so like, you know what? Like, it's <laughs> imagine that it, it's like the biggest wedding you've ever been to, you know, or something. Like, there's like, you know, there's there's people having fun. There's awkward conversation happening. People need a little <laughs> bit of 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 uh, you know, an oasis, and so they come find the bar. And uh, you know, people have come to trust our, our cocktails, and we, you know, we've, we're always pouring good stuff. So they they'll see the bottles on our back bar. It's like, uh, you know. We've uh, Don Julio's uh, the the lead spirit this year, and so you know we have stuff with 1942 in it, and you know all these beautiful spirits. So people are are definitely uh, we lure them with the booze, and then they <laughs> they stay for they stay for the good time. I do love the community that bars create, no matter where they are. If there's a bar, people mm-hmm. are going to gravitate, and that's where the conversation yep. happens. I, I do love that part of a mm-hmm. any event, really. Mm-hmm. So this is probably going to be a difficult question because i'm sure it's not you know a cookie cutter thing but when you are you have a menu to develop i mean do you have a a specific way you go about it or are they all truly just a different approach yeah i think that cocktail inspiration comes from many angles i've always been an advocate of not not doing things just one way because that it will create writer's block um, if you're like, I only do it seasonally or I only start, I mean, no, like start with the name of the cocktail. Sometimes start with a dessert you had two weeks ago, start with a trip somebody was telling you about and they had this amazing bite of food or, you know, some new fruit that they never encountered or a tea you tried for the first time or whatever, you know, or a sound or whatever, I mean, texture, any, any of it. I do plan menus in the same way I think a lot of chefs would consider it, depending how big the menu is going to be. So if I'm doing like a small event uh, menu of like five drinks, so like the Oscar is not a small event, but a small menu of five drinks, you know, I've got something non-alcoholic. I've got something bright and refreshing. I've got something, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the the occasion. So like I want an elegant martini style cocktail, maybe Um, I want, you know, maybe I do want to get a little bit uh, more flamboyant with uh, presentation or garnish or something because it is a big celebration. So, you know, I might, I definitely see more gold worked into the general vibe (laughs) and something like that than, than I would on a normal, uh, on another style of event. So it starts from a lot. I mean, inspiration comes from a lot of places. Um, You do do take, you know, time, place, audience and inspiration. I mean, I want to know the colors that the, that are going to be throughout the room, you know, like, like what's the, if there's like something that's going to be heavily designed like that, where they really do have a color palette, like, let me know, like I can work that into the cocktails and may have them make sense. Um, and it's something subtle that the guests might never 
notice outright, but hopefully they feel that it fits nicely and it just creates an experience. I think when everything clicks, you don't, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily see it and notice it and put your finger on it, but you definitely know it feels good. Um, and, and to the contrary, you really know when stuff's out of place or clashing. Um, so, we, you know, Absolutely. that's, that's the worst, that's worst case scenario. So we want to avoid that best case scenario. Like we've created this seamless experience where the design of the room, the lighting, the vibe, whatever the, you know, uh, is going on all sync up perfectly with the cocktails and the chef's food that is being served or whatever. So you launched craft house cocktails almost 10 years ago now. Um, yeah, this is our 10 year anniversary. It's insane. <laughs> and now you've got Craft House by Fortessa, and that people listening is not a beverage brand. This is a completely different company. So, what can you tell our audience about Craft House by Fortessa? Yeah. So, the first is a, a line of um, Craft House cocktails, was our prepared cocktails or ready to serve cocktails, which we, this is our 10th anniversary, which is nuts. Um, and, 10, and 10 years ago, everyone was like, what are you doing? Like making a ready, like making a ready to drink cocktail. Like, like we're like making good ready to drink cocktails with, yep. you know, real spirits that you'd actually want to talk about and real citrus and, you know, make simple syrup. And we buy our bitters from Trinidad, even though we can't put that brand name on the bottle. Um, you know, it's um, what we're using, everything we're using the bar. It's pretty sweet. And, and now obviously that category has exploded. So we're, we're doing some fun stuff this year for our 10-year our anniversary, actually. We're, we'll be releasing in, by April, at the latest, uh, very limited release, one-time-only batch of, of special cocktails that we've collaborated with a, a, a Midwest spirit company and uh, another uh, local Chicago fan favorite. So excited about that. And then Craft House by Fortessa uses the same name, uh, but that's in my barware and glassware line. Um, and so that's, that's been, oh man, I don't know, maybe six or seven years now. It's been, been fantastic. You know, I, I think that, like that was such a cool experience for me because if you ask any chef to be like, you know, what have you thought about, like, what have you ever thought about designing your own flatware or pots and pans or chef's knife or whatever? Like I got that opportunity as a bartender, like every bartender has a million ideas about what they would like to do. I, I had a, a really great tableware company, um, that I partnered with and, uh, and we got to do that and, and make different styles and, and bring, I guess, um, bar tools made by bartenders. So many bar tools, if you go into a retail store, are not designed by bartenders. And it's very clear. Uh, that is very clearly the case, um, you know, to actually bring that to, I guess, professional bartenders. And then also the the, the huge crowd of, of home enthusiasts. I mean, what is your what's your split between, do you think, working hospitality folks and enthusiasts that listen to your your podcast what would you say i mean we're, we're vast majority we're industry people but yeah it's probably a good 10 20 percent that are not in the industry who but they want yeah. to get into the industry yeah yeah you get the geeks like the really nerd, the super nerdy ones <laughs> yeah. like which we, we love those people right like oh those, yeah those are the regulars at our bars and then those are the people that tell all their friends and get them into cocktails and whatnot and, and into that kind of food they're like this is this new restaurant you got to try this new bar you got to try they're the, the kind of the, the influencers of their own friends because they are the the foodies or the boozies or whatever you want to call it. uh <laughs> you know whatever it might be so um yeah so that's been awesome and we're always working on some new uh new new tools we, we did a couple that actually made some uh a, a bigger splash like uh I, was, I did a series of smokers 
um, that, that have gotten it. Like I've seen them all around the world, which is pretty neat to walk into a bar and to see your tool sitting on the back of the uh, bar or on being utilized in a menu and somebody posts something it, it definitely, um, that doesn't get old for me. I love, it definitely makes me, makes an old bartender smile. But What's the first piece of equipment that you designed? You know, we came out with this uh, signature series and we did a Boston shaker and, uh, and a Hawthorne. And I, I very big into vintage. Um, I, I've actually got a little vintage shop on Instagram with, with one of my best friends called Telltale Vintage, where we, a lot, it's very barware heavy and, and that we, that we sell and, and then donate um, like over 10% of all of our dough to different animal uh charities and, and whatnot but a lot of the, the stuff that i designed was informed by vintage style because i thought that that was lost like you know so many uh, of the tools that we we had they all looked exactly the same they were utilitarian yeah. but if you turn back the clock to like the you know you know the golden era like there was beautiful design it was both form and function sometimes more form than function so i wanted to bring both of those things together and just like little there's little subtle stuff that people a lot of people won't notice like on my hawthorne strainers i put these little two little tabs that drop down so you can't close the gate meaning like you can't slide the the strainer over the front of your your tin so it, it like lessens spills and it was just from sitting across the bars for decades and and watching and bartenders you know or judging cocktail competitions and seeing a nervous bartender even very professional bartender have that happen and slide and then like their cocktail splash and it's, it's something you may never even notice is on there but lots of little kind of i guess informed touches like that that you know if people notice great and i and it always makes me happy when they do but if they don't like as long as they know that it works well then that's all that that, that matters to me is there anything new down the coming down the pipeline that people should be on the lookout for yeah i'm always working on new designs for for barware even you know it's funny like even like ice buckets that i did like it's so like to me that was like because that's not something we use we don't use an ice bucket in a bar right like but i actually had more fun designing that than some of the other pieces because there was so much room for improvement for what was out there so we like made some change the shape a little bit and put drain pans in and 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 whatnot uh and we are working on some new signature pieces as well um that will hopefully be really impactful and let people do some that makes them not only fun flavors, but give some great presentations as well. Because I think uh, if you can combine uh, something that's functional and looks beautiful, then I think that's, that's, that's a key. I mean, we live in a, a very, every, everybody photographs everything. So we're, we're, we're oh, yeah. snapping pics on our phone of everything. So we stuff's got to look as good as it tastes. Uh, but first and foremost, flavor, flavor, aroma, texture, that's got to, it's got to taste good. I don't care how good it looks, but <laughs> If it doesn't taste good, then we got to go back to the drawing board. Hi there. Just a quick message before we get you back to this episode. If you're looking to take your bar, restaurant, or hospitality business to the next level, I mean to profits of 12 to 15% or more, it's time to take action. Let's start creating your roadmap to success with our proprietary strategies, tools, resources that will inspire your team, activate your potential, and lead your hospitality brand to margins you never thought possible. Visit krghospitality.com right after this episode for more information. Now, back to the Bar Hacks podcast. So I'm going to assume that our listeners are realizing that you enjoy staying busy and you like to work on all <laughs> elements of the drinks business. You've got cocktails covered. You've got the tools to build them covered. 
And now you're going to take on the the third part of this cocktail triad, which is ice. So what can you tell us about your involvement <laughs> with Abstract Ice? Yeah, so I've been over well over a year now uh, involved with this uh, startup, uh, craft ice startup called Abstract Ice, which is uh, based out of Petaluma, California. And uh, amazing crew of people uh, that had a vision to, I guess, kind of kind of democratize craft ice in a way. They've got some we're a couple engineers on staff. So actually, you know, proprietary tech in terms of the freezing. So it's not, not the same freeze a huge block over two and a half days, you know, pull a 300 pound block, cut it down by hand, super labor intensive, super energy intensive, super slow. And uh, we've got a, a great team. A bunch of the crew was with Lagunitas beer when they were um, independent still, and then saw them, you know, to their incredible growth. And it's cool. Like it's, it's, uh, it's in the Bay area and, and in North NorCal right now, and you can get it in, in retail stores and whatnot. So you can just go to your local liquor store or your, you know, like your local uh, grocery and, and there's these freezers with this perfect ice, which to me, you know, when they, we talked about that, I'm like, yeah, I, I want this all the time. Like, you know, you're seeing it a little bit around the country, but I think we've got big vision and uh, I think there's going to be some, some cool, growth to happen with it it's like it is it's such a you know we all know it as bartenders right and everybody is like talks about it but it's it's a big part of your drink you've gone up through all the work and then you go into your freezer and you pull out you know this kind of ice that's soaked up all of the funk in the freezer or you know water you know <laughs> chip ice that, that melts down and it's just not that's kind of one of the last experiences at a bar that people are now able to take home, um, which is, which is cool and recreate at home. And it's, you know, if, if you're just starting out, you know, let's figure out how to make a couple cocktails first and then we can worry about it. Like that. Maybe <laughs> the ice is a one fifty level learning. Uh, it's not maybe one Oh one, but, um, it should be, I, I think shortly on because I mean, it's, uh, it's something that touches every one of your cocktails, right? nearly every one of your cocktails, right? Unless we're making toddies or something, but almost everything gets stirred or shaken or served uh, on ice. And so I think it's, you know, goes without saying with bartenders uh, and it's something that obviously we share with our guests and I think they get, they get excited about too. So abstract ice is up and running another startup, but I mean, should people be on the, the lookout? Should they yeah. look into it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's out there. Um, okay. You know, you can check out our Instagram and it is in the Northern California area now bunch of spots in sf and uh in the bay area and then up into that like napa area uh and and rapidly expanding soon awesome so speaking yeah. of cocktails i mean i i have you here so i need to ask it, it might have, you know it might change throughout the years but right now what's your favorite spirit and why is it your favorite oh man um <laughs> i am question. i'm probably yeah i know but it's you know i i'm i i would say I most often, given the choice, will go towards agave, and you know, honestly, blanco tequila or repo tequila, um, just really, uh, and which obviously that category is just it's been explosive year over year um, for you know over a decade. I mean, shit, one of our bars that we had in 2005 was was one of the first 100% agave tequila bars in Chicago really early in in the movement like there were you know i think we can get we bought all the tequilas that we could in chicago is a huge tequila market and you know maybe we were able to get like 60 different tequilas or something and compared to now it's like that's that's 
five percent or something of, of what's, <laughs> what's out there, if not like less. But uh, anyways, um, so tons of agave, uh, you know, high quality, of course, uh, traditional, you know, full flavored tequila. I love mezcal. I love, you know, rum has really caught up and I've been a long time aged rum drinker, kind of whiskey drinker rums, if you will. Uh, and it was just because it was. I saw it was such an underappreciated category and it's, it's catching up. And so prices have gone up a little bit, but um, you can, there's still a lot of great values to be found there. I don't know. I think we're making set. Like, I mean, I just got done uh, doing some spirits, judging blind spirits, tasting at the tag awards in, in Las Vegas. Yep. Um, you know, we sit around for, for days with a room full of cocktail and spirit nerds and distillers and people from all different walks of, of, of life and, and, and whatever their specialty is and blind taste glasses and then, and then rate them, uh, and, and, you know, see who, see at the end, what, what's what, uh, but, um, you know, geez, I mean, the American whiskey that's being put out there now is like, we're, we're making beautiful whiskey. The world whiskey categories is, is just crushing as well. You know, continuing, I'm a huge Scotch fan, but, um, malts from around the world continue to, you know, kind of amaze, um, but uh, yeah, man, I, I do. I do. Dip. I just got back from a trip to New York as well. And I drink everything from gin to plum liqueur to mezcal to Mexican rum to I mean, it was, you know, to uh, pints of Guinness. So <laughs> it was all over the board. Do you have a go to cocktail or is the world just kind of your oyster and it's just whatever you're feeling? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I like I like the classics for me. Like I like stuff where it doesn't, you know, like give me a Tommy's margarita, give me a perfectly made daiquiri, you know, like that's kind of bartender's choice. Let them, you know, like we all do it a little bit differently. That cocktail, um, I want to see what what rums are you going to toss in there? Like what, you know, I, I just think it's such that there's there things of beauty because like, you know, even if there are only three or four ingredients, it makes each one of those ingredients that much more important. Um, and there's so much nuance in it uh, that can't be muddied or hidden that I think it is almost more difficult to make those cocktails superbly than it is to make cocktails that might seem a little more fussy that you can hide behind and that you don't also have a baseline of knowledge for. So I drink pretty simply. Um, I'm particular if I'm making it for myself, like if I'm making myself a daiquiri, I definitely do like to blend a couple of different rums, like uh, something kind of long aged maybe and and uh, with something a little bit younger and then a little like Kiss at Jamaican funk in there. And I'm not mad at a dash of Angostura in that. But so I take, you know, take a three ingredient drink and just like, just kind of customize it to yourself a little bit. But uh, yeah, I like, I'm, I'm clean, simple and then sours or I drink a lot of uh you know spirits neat as well more than more than cocktails probably at this point so you got to do the tag awards I didn't yeah. go this year I don't know why I didn't think to do that since I live in Las Vegas but I think I thought it was a different month so I was a little <laughs> busy the past few months so uh you've I mean you've seen what's what's coming basically um and just yeah. what you do you know as as Charles Jolie I mean you you see a lot. So, what would you say are this year's you know one or two like standout trends that you think might catch for uh, spirits and cocktails? I mean, the stuff that is is growing is 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 really taking a stronghold. Like like the whole agave category is like nuts. Like it's yeah. it is really taking over. That being said, I hope 
that I guess more transparency becomes a trend because that category, which is so close to my, my heart, I would love to see more, more honesty and labeling and things like that. Um, and then that's got to come from the top down though. That's got to come from the, the laws that apply to what can be said on labels uh, start. Right. Um, and, and, you know, there, that conversation is being had more and more, but it is, um, I think we're still the minority that even know the difference between that and are trying to spread the word um, just so people don't have spirits that are, I don't know, adulterated a little bit, if you will, um, yeah. or manipulated a little bit, uh, which is fine and, and totally legal to do. Uh, but it, it just gives people a, ba- a the kind of wrong baseline. So when they taste a traditional tequila, for example, they don't even recognize it as the same spirit that they think that they're in love with. So, um, so hopefully we, maybe we see some more of that. Some, some spirits from Asia are starting to make their way over a little bit more. Um, we're seeing a, a bit more of that, but I, I think it is like, we're still like we, American whiskey is not slowing down um, in terms of stuff that's really going to be making an impact. And, and the, the higher end, like the, the type of RTDs that, that we make um, and craft house that continues to grow and drives is driving growth as well. Um, as opposed to where people are getting away from some of the hard sensory stuff that had a wildly explosive moment. Um, right. And it still 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 sells a ton, um, but we're seeing more high quality RTDs out there. But you just got to taste this stuff um, and figure it out on your own, and like skip the skip the marketing and just taste it, and and maybe peel back a, a little bit of the layers yourself to figure out what's what's what. You know, see what kind of see what kind of alcohol people are using, see what the processes are. If you if you if you like that kind of nerdy stuff and. Uh, I just had a friend out in, in, in New York release some beautiful all spirit based, uh, ready to serves. Uh, he works at a, some Italian restaurants. He works. He runs a beverage at a place called Isodi, and he's gorgeous. In the, I, mean, I need to try them. I'm like, you know, they're going to be beautiful. Like you're using all. It's just, it's just is what it is. Vermouth and gin and you know and what bitters and whatnot. It's like can't can't go wrong with that. You know, it's uh, they're going to be they're going to be spot on. Um, so so that's seen a lot of that happening. Yeah, I think there's no 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 sign of the cocktail movement slowing down from what uh, from what I can see on any front. And the more enthusiasts that get into it, uh, the more demand there will be in bars and restaurants for properly made. It doesn't need to be like wildly elevated, so to speak, but just properly made cocktails and a decent spirit selections and things like that. We're going still heading the right direction. And speaking of the right direction, I mean, you got a couple decades in, you earned your stripes in a competitive and challenging market, which is Chicago. So how do you think operators can ensure that they're getting the most out of their bar teams and keeping them around for the long haul? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's very real. And I know that, like we're all sick uh, of the conversation, right? But like the, <laughs> the challenges are very real uh, and they've always been tough but like even even more so now so i i mean i I, what i've seen responsible operators doing is not overworking their teams like for one like they'll actually you know i've seen and and as much as it pains me to see some bars that i love be like well we got to close at midnight during the week because it's just those extra hours for the staff if we want them to work all weekend as well we just don't have enough bodies to do it so we'd rather make a little bit less money on those nights and not work people into 70 hours a week or whatever. Um, so I think it's, it's being, being cognizant of that. 
you know, bringing people up the ranks uh, and giving people, it's a great opportunity to give people a chance, but, you know, maybe you simplify your program a little bit. So it is a little bit more easily executable and you can don't bite off more than you can chew. You know, you can split the, some, some work. Maybe the, maybe the kitchen can help out with some prep. Maybe you have a day prep person. So you don't have people who, who are burning quite as many hours. I think like we all, you know, everybody now, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, and, and everything has gotten very expensive, right? Uh, life has gotten expensive and, you know, the type of hourly rates and, and benefits that I'm seeing is long overdue um, for hospitality Absolutely. folks to make, to make a living wage. You know, I love the conversations about, you know, all full-time employees getting insurance and whatnot. And I'm seeing it and we all, we're all paying for it. Right. We go to the, <laughs> we go to these bars and restaurants and cocktails and a cup of coffee and everything else is, you know, much more expensive. And as, uh, as long as that's getting properly passed through to the staff, so they are, are enticed to have a quality of life, I think you're on, on to something. On the flip side of the longevity coin, I know chefs who have said, I don't want my rock star team to stay with me just forever. I, I want them to go, you know, work under other chefs or go do their own thing. So, I mean, you've yeah. seen, you know, crazy good bar teams. Like you said, they don't have to even speak to another. It's it's almost like a, like a ballet, the way that they can move around each other. But do you also, I mean, they have kind of the same opinion where maybe the bar team shouldn't stay with each other forever. <laughs> I think definitely, well, well, seeing some different things helps, right? It makes you a better bartender or cook or whatever, you know, you're doing. That is one of the big reasons like I, I used to do cocktail competitions so much because it got me out of my comfort zone. It got me out of, you know, seeing the same people I worked, you work in a bubble with so many hours with the same people. And so you're kind of limited by the the knowledge that's around you. It, it very quickly helps to progress, you know, you, whatever it is that you're, you're interested in. You know, I, I think I, I it, it's a double-edged sword. Like we always had the problem that we couldn't get rid of people. <laughs> like in the drawing room days, we're like, like spread your wings and fly, you know, go, like we got to go on to the next thing. And, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're amazing and you've done everything you can do here. I can't, I don't have anything else for you. So like, you know, and I think that is, there's lots of opportunities like that, but there's an app there you go for, you know, what smart bar and restaurant groups do is take those people and then invest in them and then fund that restaurant, fund that bar, you know, where they might not have the capital to get something off the ground, um, but you already have someone trusted that you know, uh, and then you can, you know, it's not a bad business model, right? To then partner in, and 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 I would always, Jesus, uh, for <laughs> bartenders and chefs out there, always caution though, because it's so chronic in our industry to get um, kind of raw deals on those ends when you get you get the ownership title, but then it's, you know, it ends up being this 5% stake or whatever that doesn't end up being anything ever because once the bills are all paid, there's no money left ever or whatever it might be. So I would say, uh, you know, if you're ever getting into one of those deals, get a good lawyer, good contract lawyer and talk to people in the industry. It is, even if you have to scrape, go together to, to pay that person, it is money well spent as opposed to getting in a multi-year contract that, that you're not well taken care of on or, and we just get excited. We're like, Oh, I'm finally getting my own place. I'm finally getting my own place. Uh, how many times I've seen over the years, um, and I've been on the the the, you know, shit into that stick too. 
that uh, you know people just end up not not being done right because they didn't understand the legally side of of, of things. So that was a, yeah, little, little, a little tangent, but uh, you know, but I think important to say. No, definitely important. I mean, I'm not going to say the name, but there, I think we all saw what happened with uh, one of the recent award shows, and then one of the recipients, and exactly what you're talking about as far as the contracts and who actually is benefiting from the ownership. So absolutely yeah, yeah. lawyers and consultants you can trust. I can, they can look expensive at first, but I would say it's money well spent to, you know, spend a you know a few grand, 10 grand and that to not lose, you know, tens more or, or hundreds more, you know, on the road. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And it, and it's just so easy. It's just like, you think about the music industry or whatever and people get like, Oh, I got a record contract. And so often, you know, it's happened countless times so same exact same thing in 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 the bar world um and there are so many more opportunities i mean just you and i talking i'm like i've had like 10 different lives in the bar world over the you know over my career it's more than that probably and there's just so many opportunities out there for us now more more than just making drinks more than just becoming a head bartender more than just owning your own bar um so it, it just it does help to kind of take your time with it and make sure you're getting into good, good partnerships that are beneficial for, for you and everyone else involved. Well, before I let you go, I really wanted to you know, ask you if you had, you know, a, a top bit of advice for aspiring career bartenders and a top bit of advice for people who want to own and operate their own bar. Oh man. I think uh, for, for the bartenders, I, I do think it, it is beneficial to learn from a lot of different people, you know, you were kind of talking about earlier, taking yourself out of your, your comfort zone and seeing some different styles. You can decide what you like, what you don't like. And, you know, I, you know, don't, you got to look after yourself. You got to take care of yourself, but also don't rush. There's also, there is, you know, you, if you're in your twenties or whatever, and you're, you're getting into your thirties, you're still, there's still time. Um, And I think that everyone I don't know. We see life is perceived faster because of the way we view these quick snippets on, you know, social media or whatnot. Um, and you may have not heard of someone and then you see their success and you're like, I want that kind of success. Uh, but like you didn't hear about the last 10 years that they did or the last 15 years of work that they did to get to that point. So I'm not saying to grind, you know, but, uh, it is, it does take time. It is, things do not happen overnight, you know, build, build in a way that's, that's true to yourself and, uh, and, and surround yourself with good people who, who believe in you and that you can, you can learn from. And from bar owners, I mean, people are, people are out and, and, you know, people are out and, and drinking and enjoying. And, uh, you know, I'm, you're hearing people, uh, so many people having record years at their bars and restaurants that, sounds great on one hand on the other hand we do have labor issues so that's happening simultaneously with labor issues so it's a it's again it's this this crazy double-edged sword like it's great that everyone is out and thirsty and hungry um but we are short so i think we you got to pick your battles and you know don't try to be all things to all people figure out what it is that you want to do uh and do it really really well don't 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 worry about chasing trends you know, um, it is, uh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to even talk trends. Cause I think when we'd start to put movements into trend categories, it's like the beginning of the end for, for things. Um, just by, 
by nature, trends are fleeting. So, you know, figure out what it is you want to do and, and, and stay focused and yeah, invest in your team and, uh, and, and, you know, culture within any, any venue, bar, restaurant, retail, whatever it is you're doing um, starts from, from the top down. Um, So owners that are present and involved, take a genuine interest in their employees are probably more likely to uh, have happy staff that, uh, you know, want to work for them, want to stick around and, uh, and then we'll pass on some of that to the, to the guests through the hospitality experience. Excellent advice. How can people connect with you? And if you want to mention some of the brands that you're involved with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably most active on, on Instagram at Charles Jolie. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy. I've got some info up on my own website, charlesjolie.com, but uh, our uh, cocktails are at drink craft house. Uh, Abstract ice is up there. And then uh, Fortessa tableware is also all, all, all on G, but you know, I'm very pretty, pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, and then they can always check out our, our little vintage page too. It's a, a fun, fun side project. It keeps me out of, out of trouble on, on, on weekends. Uh, if I've got to be up early for uh, a flea market or something, and that's uh, at Telltale Vintage. Fantastic. Charles, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great to speak with you. Thank you for listening to the Bar Hacks podcast produced by KRG Hospitality and hosted by me, David Clem. If you like what you're hearing, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Follow us on Twitter at Ask Bar Hacks and Instagram at Bar Hacks. Talk to you soon.